0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm going to have a great show today. I'm excited. Patrick Albanese is going to join me in just a minute. Pastor David Miles is coming into the studio. We're going to talk about being an overcomer. I love what John chapter 5 says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We're going to talk about just being an overcomer, in the second hour, Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be with us. And then Pastor Sean Smith will be coming in studio as well. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about worry. I think there's uh, plenty of reasons for all of us to have worry in our life. But the Bible says mm, you shouldn't worry. So we're going to learn more about that. It could be a great hour, great couple hours. But let's get things started with a 60-second break. Then I'll bring on Patrick.
1: Do you have a story to share? We'd love to hear how Faith Radio impacts your life. Leave us a message on our Faith Line at 877-933-2484.
2: I love Faith Radio and listen to it all the time, and I'm grateful for all that you do. Thank you for all that you do.
1: The Faith Radio Faith Line, a place to share your story. 877-93-FAITH. That's 877-933-2484. Connecting your faith to your everyday life.
0: There's nothing I don't appreciate about it. Um, I started listening to the Faith Radio almost exclusively a few years ago because I just love the teaching. Just the truth of God's Word. Everything is just so so sweet to listen to.
3: The teachings it just really
2: motivates you and keeps you coming back for more. We're growing together.
1: On Faith Radio...
0: What would you do with a brain if you had one?
1: Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could...
0: I could while away the hours, confirming with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to the show. It's Monday, and it's going to be a busy week. And today uh, is, you know, the big Iowa caucus, so I figured no better place to start than where... I always start on Mondays with my good friend Patrick Albanese, my friend, colleague from the prestigious city of West Des Moines, the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome.
3: Well, super prestigious. Yeah, super.
0: Yes. Yeah. Although
3: I'm a little tired because I just uh, I just got back in. I was out for my second annual March Against Activism, <laughs> and again, nobody showed up. Of course. So uh, I had the cup of coffee and I left. Yeah, caucus day today. Yeah, caucus day today.
0: Now, it's a really big deal, but maybe you can explain exactly how it works. Do people just show up in their their precincts and then the show of hands? Is that how it works?
3: It's more like their pajamas. <laughs> 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 well, the Republicans and the Democrats do it uh, slightly differently. Uh, I'm sure Rebecca's seen the process uh, it's it, so for the Republican caucuses, you kind of go in and you say, this is, you know, people often make their impassioned pleas, uh, you know, four years ago in my precinct, uh, Trump himself was there. Ben Carson was there. Um, let's see, there were four that were running that showed up. Uh, but, um, so they make a plea. Uh, a lot of times you'll just have a surrogate speak on their behalf mm-hmm. now. And, my caucus, you, you kind of cast your votes, and they say, "Okay, here's here's who won it." In the Democrat one, if your candidate doesn't get to fifteen uh, percent, then they're like, "Okay, you got to pick somebody else." And uh, you know, so it's like you're looking around the room, and you're thinking, "Well, I I didn't like any of you that are still standing," so, but you so now you have to pick, you know, from the 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 remaining uh, people. It's kind of like. You know, so I dislike playing the game Monopoly because it's a two-hour game, but one hour in, you already know who's going to win, but you have to just sit there and suffer for the next hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As they accumulate more property, you go, what, what, you know, what's the point of this? You know, um, And that one person is pretty gleeful. Well, th- this will be a lot like that. So uh, you'll have, it sure looks like Bernie's going to take it. The Des Moines Register kind of just shuttled the poll that they take. And they said, well, he had some problems getting accurate readings, which means it maybe just didn't, show things they wanted to see. Uh, I I, I think Joe Biden is really fading in the state. I don't see a whole lot of excitement his way. Bernie's got a lot of the excitement. So people are going in the room. And so if if Joe Biden doesn't even get 15% in some of those caucus rooms, then those Biden supporters will, they don't have to pick somebody else. They can just choose to, you know, not vote. But, That'll that'll take them completely off the radar in some of those areas. So even though you could be polling kind of low, uh, it, it could be disguised as a zero by the time you know all all the tickets are collected, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You, you could say, well, I, it looks like you know they're they're not going to really show like Amy Klobochar they they're not going to show a stat that said she collected x percent of the vote if she doesn't get to 15% she's going to be kind of virtually non-existent in most of these precincts cuz people will have to choose somebody else so I, and i think that's one of the reasons why in Iowa it it sort of thins the field out relatively quickly because at the end of the day you'll only be talking about you know three or four people cuz that that those will be the names those will be the ones that will look like got all the votes. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Are so you going
3: to be Bernie? And, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, there, there's different ways to claim victory at these caucuses, isn't isn't there?
3: I think just surviving it is sort of a victory. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, for me, one of the most exciting parts of the caucuses is hanging out at the private strip at the airport and watching all the planes taking off for all these people that have been living here for the last two weeks. Can't wait to get out of here fast enough. And they just charter private jets and they are on them at midnight and gone and it's a ghost town tomorrow but um yes i i yeah you can like i I think i just saw a video of joe biden saying you know we're winning even by losing you know is the equivalent of what he said uh because as soon as somebody starts to say discount iowa you know that's you know an admission that they're not doing too well here.
0: Yeah. Well, Bill Clinton didn't win Iowa, and he didn't win New Hampshire, uh, and then he went on to win the presidency, of course. So I'm a master mm-hmm. of the obvious for those of you uh, yeah. who know your history. But uh, yeah, so this is an important um, indication of what's ahead, but not it's not essential, is it? No. No. I mean, I used to know my history, but that was before. Right.
3: <laughs> I don't know it so much. No. Yeah, it, it, it it's 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 what's certainly not the ab- absolute end of your campaign. And that is an amazing turnaround. But of course, you know, Clinton wasn't even supposed to win the presidency cuz George uh H.W. Bush was, you know, so well liked after uh I think it was that um the first Gulf War. Uh everything was kind of sky high and he sort of got uh destroyed on the read my lips no new taxes and You know, there weren't a whole lot of Democrats that even wanted to run against him. And Bill Clinton stepped forward and said, I'll do it. So he wasn't doing well, but um, he is a pretty charismatic guy and right guy, right time. Everything just kind of lined up really well for him and he was the right person for it, I I guess you could say. I, I don't know if Joe Biden or some of the other ones running have the kind of political skill that Bill Clinton had. To be able to survive losing, say, Iowa, New Hampshire, you know, once you lose a couple of them, you need to have some serious political skill, I think, to to navigate those waters. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden doesn't have it. There was a clip this morning of him with Savannah Guthrie, and he got a little bit mouthy with her. It was, uh, it was very disturbing. And then it jumps, jump cuts right in the middle of it. And you think, what happened? What did they cut out right there?
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so John Kerry was overheard saying that Bernie Sanders was taking down the Democratic Party. I do find that interesting because he doesn't really identify as a Democrat, does he? No. Bernie Sanders?
3: No, no. I mean, Mitt Romney's more of a Democrat than Bernie Sanders, <laughs> I think. And, uh, and then they had these rumors out that John Kerry was thinking of maybe throwing his hat into the ring. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what we would we would need to uh, you know John Kerry and Hillary Clinton on a ticket together, you know. <laughs> We could, we could even borrow her campaign slogan and Slightly Altered from 2016 and just call it Weaker Together. So <laughs> that, was, that was my thought on that.
0: <laughs> Do you think she's ever going to jump back into the race? Do you think she might wait for the uh, convention. convention or maybe even four years from now to run again?
3: I don't know. I never want to count her out. But nor should I, I think, you. No, nor should you. But I think... More important to her is I think she's absolutely, you know, it's bad enough she lost the presidency. But if people don't take her advice and if suddenly they don't come to, you know, kiss the ring of the Pope, so to speak, with her, I think that is something that she cannot weather too well because I think she likes being in that position. And she's always offering her advice. And I don't think the Democrat Party is listening to her anymore. And I think that's going to um, make her a little upset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Patrick Albanese, my guest, you know that he is my uh, first guest of the week on Mondays, and I'm always glad to chat, find out what happened over the weekend. I guess, according to what I'm reading in the paper, there was some kind of football game last night. When we come back, maybe we'll chat about that and find out exactly what happened. We'll take a short break and be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be talking to my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, uh, did you watch the big Super Bowl game last night?
3: I did watch it.
0: Okay. Kind of and it. your yep. thoughts?
3: I thought it was a great game. Uh, I, I didn't have a dog in this hunt, so to speak. I mm-hmm. was you know, kind of rooting for the 49ers, I think, out of old Joe Montana um, nostalgic days. Uh, but I certainly loved the Chiefs and were geographically close to them, Uh being positioned in Des Moines, Iowa, and, and Rebecca will vouch for me on this one. Um, we don't have a professional football team, so we simultaneously claim the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears, and the Kansas City Chiefs as our team. Mm-hmm. It's like
2: one big patchwork quilt.
3: It is, <laughs> of and so sports. you can yes, you can hop allegiances, and nobody will—they'll be like, "Well, of course, you're you're in Des Moines, and you have a approximately a 270 mile reach." with the exception of we get Green Bay, and that was a few more miles. But, uh, yeah, anywhere from 250 to 500 miles away, if you f- have a professional sports team and you are in that radius, you're ours. Uh, so, But it was a great game. And, and, and I could Hollywood have scripted a better thing? There's Mahomes making the comeback
0: again. Again, yeah.
3: Three, three times, the, 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 the two playoff games where you say, well, it's over. 24 to nothing, it's over. Nope and then down by 10 and then down by 10 again and you go he's exciting to watch and what a wonderful team and what a great script you know one team's winning the other one comes from behind and and uh you know so funny it was right toward the end when the 49ers get the ball back for the last time we had some people over and I said the only thing missing is the obligatory Hail Mary pass turned into interception to officially end the game and of course the very next play Garoppolo (laughs) throws a giant pass up interception and everybody in the room's like how do you know that I go they always end the same way these endings are so predictable
0: yeah you watched it right oh yeah I did watch it I did I was one of the 102 million viewers I thought I felt an uptick (laughs) (laughs) that's a big audience such, uh, I loved the Bill Murray Jeep commercial. That was fantastic. That's my favorite. Yeah. You know, what, a 25-year you know,
3: 20, callback to a movie.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, frankly, I thought the halftime show was uh, I was uncomfortable. Watching yes,
3: it. Uh, I was uncomfortable. And also, you know, you and I have been in this entertainment business on the fringes for so many years. And I, I'm a big believer in, you know, leaving them wanting more and uh yesterday's halftime show left me wanting some. Right. Thought, you know, where, where where's the entertainment here? The completely forgettable songs. Uh and it certainly was a little over top over the top on the uh um the dancing. Yeah. Uh and then to have to see people making their excuses today saying it's best halftime show ever. I'm thinking, better than Prince, better than Bruce Springsteen, better than the Who? Better than the Rolling Stones? I, I realize this, you know, makes me look like I'm in my late fifties. But uh, I thought, well, it was not even close to one of the best halftime shows. I, it's, name one of the songs they did today.
0: I can't. Yeah.
3: So, but you're not allowed to not like it because yep. it was one of these, it became this empowerment thing all of a sudden. It's all about empowerment. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was equal parts boring and train wreck for me.
0: Yeah, I am I was the same way. I didn't really care much for it. And I thought some of the gyrations and everything else, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, the old crotchety guy. But that's kind of what I yeah. felt. I was kind of embarrassed. I mean, did uh, your son EJ, Who? what is he, 9, 10, is he, did he watch it?
3: No, the, the kids, we had a bunch of kids over and they were not even in, interested in the game. They were off okay. uh, playing some games and playing hide and seek and just having some fun. So it wasn't like we were looking to hide the kids um and I, I'm kind of glad they weren't watching not that I I think that that would you know forever uh, affect how they look at things but uh you start to set norms and I I think that uh, if you know you start if if your kids see you watching something like that then uh, if you have a questionable web activity that they're partaking in when they're a little bit older, they can say, I don't understand this. is We see this on TV all the time. This is the norm. And uh, so that is a concern because I, I don't uh, I, I don't think that's a good thing, to, especially because what's the mixed message here? We're all we're told all the time not to objectify women and certainly not to, uh, you know, sexualize them. And that's all that was. I agree. So I yeah, thought
0: disturbing. It,
3: it was sort of disturbing because I said, well, I could understand if somebody walks around confused saying, "All right, um, you know, I see a lot of the yougo girl cuz Shakira's I think 43 and uh, JLo is 50. They look great. They're mm-hmm. obviously very physically fit. But um it's like, well, okay, but is that the sum total of what a woman is worth is gosh at 50 you can still get up there and uh, another couple of years, and that turns into hips a poppin', which was a very popular <laughs> Broadway show. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I think no, you, your worth is so much more than just that. So I mean, we can celebrate that somebody's still healthy enough to do something like that without making it uh, the only thing worth celebrating about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good observation, Patrick. That's yeah. really smart. So. Uh, let's look at the rest of the week. We've got um, the State of the Union coming up, and there's going to be the hopefully the the impeachment trial coming to a conclusion. Uh, there, yes, there'll be no happy ending there, right? Well, I'm thinking to myself,
3: well, the Democrats all have to vote uh, not guilty, correct?
0: I believe I mean, yes.
3: I mean, I know they don't want to say that he's guilty, but they keep telling us, you know what? We haven't seen and heard from enough witnesses, and we haven't seen enough evidence. So I'm thinking to myself, but you're saying you're going to convict on what you do have. So what good does more do if if you've already decided he's guilty, do you need like enough evidence to say super guilty? I don't I don't know what that means. So you think, well gosh, if if you were a juror on a court case and uh they presented their case and they said, and that's it. And you're in the deliberation room. And I've had this pleasure and $15 a day plus parking, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's you can spend that. I got a W-2 form for it too. I think it was a 1099. Um, but uh, you, um, if you were to say, well, I haven't seen enough evidence to convict this person, then the jury's instructions would be, then you can't. You can't convict. But here they are. They're saying, well, we need more evidence, but he's definitely guilty. So, I go, this is a mixed, another mixed message. I, I just, you know, it, it seems to me they, if they really are convinced that he did something wrong, they should scrap it. They can go ahead and start over, and do it the way they said. They can, they can call those witnesses that they needed any times and do the real trial, the real way, and say, now here's all the evidence. So it's, it's. Uh, He'll get an acquittal, and they say they're playing politics by you know having that dangle over Trump's head on the State of the Union address on Tuesday night that he is an impeached president giving a state of the union, but Bill Clinton was in the exact same position, and it didn't hurt him any sky high approval ratings after uh getting the um impeachment so
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I don't think it'll. I think it'll roll off of Trump. You know, I I think I know people like to think that he has an extremely fragile ego. But I I also think that every last one of those people running for president has an extremely large and fragile ego. I mean, commercials are running nonstop right now. They're breaking the commercials. They're breaking into commercials to run programming now. That's how bad it is today. (laughs) We now interrupt this commercial stream to present you some of the show that you had tuned in to watch.
0: <laughs> it's that and doesn't it pretty much all end today, thank goodness?
3: They will uh, take what's left of their money. <laughs> they will they will leave today. But, you know, it's uh, there's an Amy Klobuchar ad running, and she's saying, you know, well, Donald Trump has this giant ego, and it's all about him. I think it's about you, so vote for me. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm reading between the lines there, but sounds like you think you're the person to fix this, which I think, you know, you and me, if, if somebody said, look, I think you're the person to fix and you name it. you would like, I am not the guy. Right.
0: Not the guy. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yeah. Patrick, it thanks is. for doing the show. We will chat again next Monday. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you again, my friend. May, may, may I boast briefly, though? Of course.
3: Can I can I take two seconds to both? Oh, please take because, three uh, the, the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, I I believe that it's very important that you praise your kids, right? When they, especially when they do something right, when they make wise decisions. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know, this morning, I told them both how proud I was in their selection of parents.
0: I love it that they
3: they did a great job.
0: Yeah, God and bless. Them. I had a sweet, Yeah, <laughs> all right. Have a great day. Thanks you too. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with lots more.
1: Thank you for listening to the Faith Radio Network. We've been broadcasting relevant Bible preaching and family-focused teaching for nearly 70 years, and we are still committed today to leading people to Christ and nurturing believers in their faith through Christ-centered media. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts make this ministry possible, so thank you for your generous donations. Together, we can spread the hope of Jesus to the world. Find out more at MyFaithRadio.com.
0: I already have Pastor David Miles in the studio, so I'm looking forward to that. It's coming up just in a couple minutes. But if you have not uh, registered for the Tony Evans Study Bible, I highly recommend you go do that. We're giving one away every week. This is a, I'm holding it in my hand right now, and I would love that for this to be my Bible. I would take home, but I don't believe I get to do that. But you can get in the drawing, and you can uh, realize this is a beautiful study Bible. And Tony Evans is such a powerful voice. You're going to love this. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and get in the drawing for the Tony Evans Study Bible. We'll take a short break and be back with David in just a minute. I have Pastor David Miles in the studio, and I think this segment is called Ma'am, Miles Arnold Maxwell. I like it. I know you That's, like it.
4: It's ma'am time.
0: It's ma'am time. Miles Arnold Maxwell. So, David, welcome.
4: Good morning. Good yeah. afternoon, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. I really need my ma'am. I'm not Three... still on morning, and you guys <laughs> are in the afternoon. It's 3.30
0: central time, yeah. But we'll take a good morning from you any day. And and thank David you. shows up with you know gourmet coffees for us
2: because he's excellent
0: because he's excellent and that just should be a heads up to Sean Winter who's coming in at four thirty. Just a gentle <laughs> reminder: some guests <laughs> Hent, show up with hint. gourmet coffee, and we love it. You're we, always we you're, are caffeinated. You're always considerate, so thank you.
4: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we're going to talk a little bit about overcomers today.
4: Yes, and uh, we have seen those um diehard sports fans we've actually seen a pretty interesting example of that over the last three to four weeks with the uh, kansas city chiefs Mm -hmm. and uh, seeing the first team ever to be down double digits in three playoffs games and come back and win pretty incredible it's incredible
0: no it was yeah i love
4: it and i'm hoping for the vikings Keep hoping. Yes, Keep hoping, schoolboy. I have faith. <laughs> faith is the source of things <laughs> hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're okay.
2: <laughs> not yet seen.
4: No. Not, not yet, yet, yet seen. seen. Okay.
0: But I bet there's a even more practical application from Scripture in there. <laughs> I bet if we went to, uh, let's say, like Revelations 12.
4: Yeah, I think like Revelations 12. Actually, it's a great place to start, and um, one of the beauties of this passage is that it says, "...and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony." And what's so neat about that verse is that they're responding to being, um, Satan's been thrown to earth, there's great persecution that's coming against the church, and it's talking about the fact that they have overcome. But what's interesting about this verse, when you look at it, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, typically for us as believers in Christ, if we have a testimony, it is because of what Jesus' shed blood has done on the cross for us his uh, blood covers our sins so he cleanses our sin he washes our sins you know blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven jesus blood sacrifice was for once for all time there's not another sacrifice needed and out of that we rejoice and we we celebrate christ's work and so because of his blood we have a testimony and for the believer usually if you start talking with them long enough their testimony is because of christ so it's kind of like circular It kind of just finds yourself that if you spend time on one, you'll find yourself spending time on the other. But in this passage, there's great persecution, there's great trial that's coming against the saints, and it says that they overcome. And I want to note one really neat thing. I've already read the verse twice. We'll read it a third time. And they have conquered him by the blood, conquered him the devil, by the blood of the Lamb And by the word of their testimony, and as much as we'd like to see a a period there, there's a comma, and it says, for they love not their lives even unto death. And that's a part of overcoming, of us not loving our lives unto death. And um, guys, there's a good chance, at least at this time of what we know, uh, the Lord knows the future, but more than likely... Here in the States, believers um, dying um, at a sword for their faith, as our brothers and sisters in other places and other parts of the world do. But there are other ways that we end up dying. You know, will we not love our lives unto death when it's the death of your reputation, the death of comfort with family, friends, um, the death of the pursuit of the things that the world says is success? Will we love our lives not even unto death? In um, Christ, and that's
0: really convicting.
2: And I wonder then about how often we're called to sacrifice those things. We think, oh, that that's not the will of God because He wouldn't put me in a position where I feel uncomfortable or where I think about that. I mean, I, maybe that's just me. Maybe this is confession time for me. <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, it's that
4: rough thing because sometimes you'll say, like, you know, I've I've known in situations, interesting situations, where someone's like, you know, well, you know, Pastor David, you know, doesn't God want me to be happy? And I'm I'm like, well, actually God's more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. And he's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And sometimes they allow you to actually be unhappy in order to make you holy, in which you then experience joy, which is much deeper than happiness.
0: I like that. I got to think about that. That's really good. You know, God's definitely interested in our our holiness. And if we're conducting ourselves in a way that's producing um, right living, we're going to be happy.
4: Well, you think that we are called to be conformed to Christ, you know, and it wasn't like happiness that had Jesus going the cross, you know, Hebrews 12, 3 says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. So um, when you read scripture, and I remember, um, I'm forgetting the person who wrote the book, but there was a part in the book where it talked about, um, in the Old Testament, I think Isaiah, where it talked about it pleased the Father to crush the Son, something to that effect. And it's like, that's that's really incredible. I mean, like, think of what the father allowed his son to go through. And uh, I love my, my four kiddos and, and thinking of allowing them to go through those things. And Jesus willingly went through them. Like some things we have to walk through life to get to, but Jesus knew when he washed Judas's feet that he'd be in a garden being betrayed. He knew his friends would, would run away. And so it wasn't always, it wasn't always happy, happy times for for Jesus, and it's not always going to be happy, happy times for us either.
0: David, don't we think that that Jesus is the overcomer? Is it not so much it's us as much as it is what Jesus has overcome? That's true. Yeah, I mean, I always love going in to us. Christ in us. Yeah, I love John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I've often said this. How often are Christians characterized as people of good cheer? That could be several episodes. <laughs> oh, good. Maybe let's just chew into that a little bit because are we walking around? Are we salt and light? Are we uh, examples of good cheer in the world? Or do people look at us and go, look at the sour expressions on their faces? Or what are they so mad about?
4: I'd say it's there's a both and to okay. it. You know, if we're to be honest, there, there are some that, um, you know, do count it all joy as they enter into trials and you know, there I know for me there's times where something's happening, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, God, this was not I didn't see this on my, my my day planner. So um what's going on? And Peter said, we'll ask, like don't be surprised by that. But sometimes we are so it's embracing that. Um, guys, one of the things that's interesting for us is that we live in a culture of celebration, you know, so sometimes there's a you know In in the body of Christ, some people are are experiencing suffering and some are experiencing celebrations. So for some brothers and sisters, when they're like, give us our day, our daily bread, they like literally mean that you meet people where they're like, really, we're trusting daily for God's sustenance. And sometimes in a celebration service, we're you know, celebration mindset, we're always trying to go from one high to the next high to the next high. And we're used to celebrating so that when trials come, we don't know exactly what to do with that. And I think that's a that's a charge for our pastors and all of us to grow in discipleship and helping people to embrace suffering. Actually one of uh, our our pastor of care at New Hope Church, Pastor Kyle Davison Bear, did a just a an incredible um, staff devotion last week, and and one of the big things that he said was embracing hardship. Just us, really, like embracing hardship, and how often do we like complain about hardship? How how do we we go negative? But will we embrace it? And it was it was a very powerful time, and an and extreme blessing to those of us who who had heard it. So, David, when you think of being an overcomer,
0: that, that's part of your identity in Christ, isn't it? I mean, First John 5 says, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world.
4: Yeah, it is part of our, our identity in Christ. And I think last time we talked a little bit about even adversity that, you know, part of the things that people are talking about today after the Super Bowl, you know, with the Chiefs was that they, what, overcame a great deficit in order to come back and that they actually work together as a team, you know, in the church, we would say that we work together as a body of Christ. And so adversity or overcoming is not always a bad thing because it actually brings more out of us. And then we realize that, that we, we have stores that we didn't know um, that we have. Um, I remember when, when Tammy and I, we had a DJ, our first son, And we were like discussing the whole thing, like, you know, you're praying about having another child. And I remember one time my wife said, you know, it's just incredible to think, would I be able to love another child the way that I love DJ? And what's interesting, when Jackson was born, the love for DJ did not stop. There was just a new like literally compartment, this new capacity that opened up inside of you. And you were like, whoa, I didn't know. Like it didn't diminish from the one. There was a whole new love that opened up in you for the second child. And so sometimes the adversity, the challenges that we have, they open up new parts of who we are and we get to see what God has put in us in Christ or the ways that we have to lean on him to see that what we sing, "Great is Thy faithfulness," you know that we get to see that He's faithful.
0: Mm-hmm. Listener David said, "I see joy as a state of being, and happiness as an emotional response to circumstances." That's again a, a great insight.
2: I know that's one thing that I've been thinking about lately in terms of expectation. Everything that you're saying, David, makes me want to reevaluate my expectations, because if I cling to those, then when circumstances don't turn out the way I want to or the way I have planned, then suddenly I'm thrown into this emotional tornado when... God didn't necessarily promise me those outcomes, but if I'm leaning on him and I'm relying on him to get me through whatever circumstance and to bless me even in the middle of those things that he's in charge and I'm just supposed to be obedient and follow him, then I think maybe my eyes can be open to the joy even in these difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm.
4: And that, that word, Rebecca, that you hit on is that word expectation. It's a tricky one, isn't that it? Is a, that's one. And, and oftentimes we don't realize we have expectations until they're not met or they are violated. And so we, we really kind of struggle with that and having those kept in check. Um, I think it was uh, Pete Scazzaro, who is the uh, author of Emotional Healthy Spirituality, him and his wife, Jerry, uh, they would often talk about one of the main issues that we have even in relationships is the whole idea of mind reading. Like we violate and sin against one another because we mind read one another. So what happens is, and I I like to put it in a visual way, we end up hiring a $250 attorney and we put them in our mind. And so when someone does something, we start the case against them and we start paying this attorney and we start racking up charges and we build a case and we present it and we become judge, jury, and executor of that. And what happens is sometimes you start to hear information and because you're so vested in this, are you going to actually change or entertain a different thought? We see this with kids. So your child's standing in front of you or your niece and nephew's standing in front of you, and they're like, why well, no so-and-so? They did this on purpose, and this is why they did this, and this is why they did this. And they're sitting there talking to you, and you finally look at them, and you're like, well, they're right here. Did you ask them? Well, no. Well, how about you ask you, did you mean to do that on purpose? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I don't believe you. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, you just rest, you know, invested that much into this $250 attorney in your mind that mm-hmm. you've been building a case, and what do you do when the evidence is different? So we engage into a thing that um, people have called, they're called covered contracts. So in our mind, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, and in doing this, I'm expecting you, Bill, to do this. hmm but when you don't do it, I'm upset at you. But I made an agreement with you without including you in the right. agreement. So that becomes a covered contract. And so so we really struggle with our expectations. And sometimes we all have an expectation of God. Well, God, I did this, 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 and this. So therefore, you must do this, 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 and that. Yeah, really
0: smart. All right, Dave, Miles is my guest. It's, it's MAM time. It's Miles Arnold Maxwell. So let us know uh, if you want to have anything we've said clarified, or if you want to add to uh, the discussion, let us know. 877 933 2484. We're, here to, we're we are here to love and serve you. We'll be right back. All right, it is the ma'am segment. Miles Arnold Maxwell. David's a regular guest now on Mondays. We're just loving it. He is the life groups and leader development pastor at New Hope Church. And David, as we talk about overcomers today, I love 1 John 5 says, who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So we can all stand strong that we are overcomers.
4: Yeah. And probably the the nice part of it is it's, we're overcomers because he overcame. Yeah. And that's the part of us, us resting in that. Yeah. And that's, a, that really, if, if we're honest guys, that that's a wrestle. I mean, like there's so much of us that fights against that, but we really want to figure it out. We have, you know, strong Protestant work ethic, you know, that's a part of our culture and it's like, you know, self-made this self-made that, and that continues just to filter through us. So, so often it's, it's, it's easy to ask. Okay, okay, what do I do next? Okay, what do I, what what do we do? Okay, how do we respond to this? Okay, you know, what are the, you know, goals, objectives, outcomes that we're trying to do, and then to really trust in ourselves, lean on our own understanding. I mean, maybe not you guys, but I I know I have that. Mm-hmm.
2: That's just a you problem.
4: Yes, I've it never is. done
2: that ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we do apply human initiative often to the idea of being an overcomer. I'm going to be an overcomer, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm gonna be on top of this, which is nothing wrong with that, but we have to understand what it means to be an overcomer in Christ.
4: I think it's you know, too, it it can be kind of you know, um it's not either or, which sometimes we like to go to polls of of that. Um you see in scripture, like with sanctification, you know, you see active of sanctification as some theologians have said in Romans twelve one and two. You know, present yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to this world. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. So presenting ourselves where it's a command, it's imperative. And then you see something like in Philippians two, thirteen and fourteen, where it says, God both works and wills to accomplish his good purposes in us. And so there's there's kind of a there's a mutuality between it. And so um we have to remember that and, and but I think with it requires us to ask God for wisdom and to ask him for strength and to ask him for guidance and to lean on him in these things, even as we're acting, we need him to be directing and guiding us.
0: Mm -hmm. David, I had a a listener jump in with a question and because I sort of threw it out as go ahead and and ask, this question came up and we discussed this a little bit last hour and it was really what I thought was the kind of the vulgar halftime show. Uh, at the Super Bowl, I don't know if you saw it.
4: Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of stuff that's in our world. We've become so desensitized to so many different things, and that even good things of art has been construed um, into some pretty bad things. So it's it's what used to be considered like extremely um, vulgar's. in in days past is now just considered normal,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: you know? And so, and I know you find yourself watching television or watching commercials and you're just kind of like, really, wow, that just happened, you know? And so, um, no, that wasn't necessary. And you kind of maybe want Stevie Wonder to perform because Stevie's not going to be vulgar. He's just going to play and shake his head, but it would be good. But, yeah, it's... It's really, we're really heading kind of downhill on that.
0: And the question was, boy, is there anything we can do to get through to the NFL that that the show was really inappropriate? And I suppose that would be at a advertiser's place where they'd say, we're not going to advertise. Pepsi would say, boy, that doesn't work for us anymore.
4: I would say with the concerted, um, you know, effort, when, when, Unfortunately, that when things begin to affect a company's bottom line, then they start listening, you know, or, or their positioning of things. I mean, I think it's important for us to speak out and, and us to want better for us and for our children and even for our society. So, and I guess if God's laying on your heart to speak out about it or respond to it, then do so. I want to say
0: that I do believe about the bottom line, but that's not always the case either. I, I, I think some companies are willing to take a big hit to, to send out a message. I mean, the yeah. Gillette Razor ad where you're teaching your transgender child to shave. And they lost a ton of ton of business. Was that the Super Bowl? No, no, no. This was oh, an older ad. Okay. That came out in the last year. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So but they, there
4: was plenty of other ads similar along that line you know, in the Super Bowl this year, too. I mean, not with the um, the Gillette stuff, but right. more so of the alternative lifestyle and gender fluidity and things like that.
0: Yeah. I thought overall the ads were kind of dull, and and the halftime show was vulgar.
4: I would say that my, probably the ad that I liked was the guy trying to get the tide stain clean. <laughs> <laughs> the, Bill, was, the Bill Murray ad was cute, too, for the Jeep. Yeah, that is you know one of the things is understanding the root of some things as well you know um for example we we are we're over 60 million of of our citizens who have who have died through abortion and um but we often look at the the fruit are we not the fruit we look at the leaves of the tree and there's a number of great ministries like Robin Women's and Center, new life center um you know um number of people that are, that are doing great work here in the twin cities and beyond. And one of the things is that forgetting that abortion is actually the byproduct of living in a licentious and sexualized culture. And so living in that type of immersed in that type of environment that encourages all these things, then people engage in those things thinking that's identity and that's their sense of worth and their value, and then out of that comes unplanned pregnancy. And then out of pregnancy comes abortion. And I think that's one reason that when William Wilberforce and the Clapton Sect actually went about abolishing slavery, that wasn't their only goal. You know, Wilberforce wrote, it's to abolish slavery and the reformation of Mores, M-O-R-E-S. They knew that they needed to reform the morals of the British society in order to do that because a huge part of their, their income and their industry happened through slavery. So you're asking people to give them money. you know? Now, it, it's interesting, they still ended up paying reparations to the people who lost their slaves, and, and we actually did that in the United States as well. Um, it got turned down, but pre, uh, President Lincoln actually wanted to put forth something that was going to be about $8 billion to pay reparations to slave owners, and that, there wasn't just that kind of money. But Wilberforce knew that you needed to reform the morals if you were going to also look at abolishing slavery. And I think that's we we desperately need a reformation of morals in our country as well.
2: And I was thinking in response to this question, it sort of comes full circle, David, to what you were saying before which is that uh, maybe there's nothing that I can do to influence something like the NFL, but I can recognize that I'm going to live a radically different life. And I'm not going... I'm going to be very different. That's kind of what the world looks like. We look at a halftime show that scandalizes me and I don't want my kids watching it or it's not a good example of womanhood or any of those things that people have been saying. But what I can do is live a radically different life because... I am being transformed, not conformed to the world that I'm in, but to be transformed through Christ. And I want to show my children a different example. And I want to show my neighborhood, you know, that different example. And that's the moral transformation that that I am responsible for in my own life. And that maybe that doesn't affect what I what is placed on TV, but it affects what I watch on TV and what I'm consuming, because then I want to be able to reflect Christ and and it's going to look a lot different than the world. And I probably have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in that.
4: Yeah, I'm, I I don't want you to sell yourself short on them because, like, you know, really when we look who are you talking about? We're talking about a Wilberforce. We're talking about, you know, a king, a Helen Keller. You know, what are all these individuals? They're individuals. Mm. And so there are people who stopped and said, wait a minute, you know, this isn't uh, exactly... best course. I remember being in Chicago when I was in seminary and I was doing an internship, and I remember being introduced um, to a woman named Leola Spann, and she was this neat, godly woman. And uh, you know, being with my senior pastor and just spending time with her, what was interesting is that God gave her a call to doing ministry when she was 63 years old. She basically walked out on the porch on the west side of Chicago, looked, and the Lord said, Viola, this community does not represent my kingdom and my heart, and God used her to transform so many different things.
0: That's fantastic. David, thank you so much. That wraps up our MAM segment. MAM time, Miles Arnold Maxwell happens on Mondays. I'm loving that. Thank you, David, for being here.
4: Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. We'll take
0: a little break. We'll come back with Hour 2. Dr. Paul Kengar is going to be joining us as is Pastor Sean Winters. We'll be right back.